Here is a no-brainer. Every business has to participate in the digital journey. But how do you jump to digital if traditionally you didn't have to focus on your customer as an industry? This is the challenge for healthcare. Today, healthcare systems are supposed to meet patients where they are, and they're forced to figure it out while in motion. What's more, they need to learn fast from other industries. Coming up, you will hear from Megan Neckerbecky, founder and CEO of Healthcare Transformation and a passionate healthcare administration expert. Someone who saw this coming and understands how the healthcare industry can rise to the challenge. Culture starts at the top and great customer experience the only competitive strategy in today's world is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. Megan, for being with us today. Uh, it's a very special day for us to have you. Hi, Liliana. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. We always start with a couple of questions that go behind the scenes of Megan, the public face. So I'm going to start with open-ended question, if you don't mind telling us something that we would never guess about you or we cannot Google and find about you? Is there one thing you're open to sharing with our audience that's just your little secret? Ah, oh my gosh, too funny. Um, does it have to be sort of professionally related or personal? Nope. No, pers <laughs> actually personal is better. Um, I think the first thing that came to mind is that I can drive a stick shift. I think most people don't know that. Oh! <laughs> That's a good one. See, I'm yeah. originally from Eastern Europe, which mm -hmm. means we all had to first learn that. Yeah, yeah. No, not, not a lot of Americans did, so. That's very true. So yeah. where did you learn that? Actually from my parents, mainly from my mom. So um, back when I was getting my permit, way back when I was, what, 15 years old, I was raised on stick shift. That's how I learned how to drive a car. So this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was also raised in rural Minnesota. So <laughs> I, uh, I remember one of those episodes of uh, CSI uh, back in the day where the electricity died in Vegas and they had to go back to old techniques to solve a murder. And I always think about the stick as being one of those skills that you never know when you may need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an important skill to have. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, I also wanted to ask you, since this is a customer experience show, like what was the worst experience you had as a consumer that comes to mind? It doesn't have to be healthcare. It can be anything. Yeah, no, I have, uh, oh gosh, so many examples, but it's interesting because <laughs> <laughs> just recently, I'll, I'll use this example because it just happened. So for Christmas, as one of the Christmas gifts I bought for my parents, um, I got them a cookie jar that, because my parents love cookies. <laughs> okay. And, but I personalized the cookie jar, right? So it said home and had the state of Minnesota and had our family name. Um, and the cookie jar came crooked. 
right? So the, the print <laughs> on the cookie, on the cookie jar. Oh, wow. Um, and so it just was a perfect example where, especially if you purchase something for yourself, you care less that you're purchasing mm-hmm. something for, for someone else. And it, obviously I had a time frame on it. I wanted to give it to them for Christmas. So, so did, had to give them a crooked cookie jar <laughs> and basically say, I'm so sorry, I'll see how I can get this fixed. And then, um, sent a picture to, to the, you know, customer, uh, support team. And, um, they ended up sending a new one and the second one was also crooked. And- <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, and then after that I reached out and they were like, they actually told me that they said that the second cookie jar was in fact not crooked and that what they could do is give me a 20% refund as opposed to a full refund. Um, so I feel like that's a good example of sort of not being customer friendly. (laughs) Oh, wow. So they actually did not believe you for the sake, or they said you, what you're seeing is crooked. Yeah. It's not that it is crooked. Yeah. They tried to tell us that it wasn't crooked and that we could not oh, get a wow. refund. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Phenomenal. Well, maybe you should share with our listeners the brand name so that we can uh, not go and purchase from them. Yeah. It was actually, I found it on Personalization Mall. And so I had never heard of that company before, and maybe they're not a very legit company. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I was sort of like, oh, I'm never going to buy from them again. <laughs> Great. I mean, I think it's important that we share uh, we share the corporate names when we have stories like this. So let's move into the healthcare space and place you for our audience into the healthcare uh, ecosystem. Tell us a little bit more about what the healthcare transformation is about. Yeah. So the healthcare transformation is our early stage company. We're focused on using digital asynchronous video to integrate into care delivery workflows. So thinking, you know, across the patient population, there's a lot of information that is being conveyed either verbally or on paper, which is very old school, right? It's the way that we provided care back in back in the 80s, back in the 90s, right? And so it's how can we actually digitize and automate care so that instead of having clinicians and staff repeat themselves like a broken record, only to have patients forget the information the second they walk out of that appointment, we're actually taking that information, crafting modern videos that can reach the entire patient population that we're, you know, whether it's pre-op or post-op or um, navigating a cancer journey, whatever it is, it's really helping reach patients in the home so they can watch those videos on their phone and on their computer and with their loved ones, while also it's alleviating the clinicians and staff from having to repeat themselves like a broken record. So that's the the vision and mission of healthcare transformation. Great. So who, who do you sell to? Who would pay for your services, I guess? Yeah. So we're focused on two different um, parts of the healthcare ecosystem. So mainly providers, so providers of care, right? So health systems, medical groups, um, but then we're also talking to many payers as well. So health insurance companies that are really interested in you know, a self-service solution that reaches their members and helps them navigate care so that they can reduce total cost of care, improve their quality metrics, especially those organizations that have Medicare Advantage and commercial ACOs, um, which I can I can dig further into as well, <laughs> if needed. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated ecosystem. And mm-hmm. I would say, you know, for our audience, because we go across industries, I would keep it more high level and simple because okay. I know for a fact that it took me 
almost a year to learn the language and all the players. But what I am fascinated in our industry from a customer experience perspective is finding all these parallels and the fact that the fundamentals do function the same way across industries. And that being said, I'm sure that when you go and sell to healthcare systems, you do have these meetings in the beginning that are probably more educational and showing the value of, of a digital journey. Do you have something you can share with us that you have learned from all those conversations that you had done and you're like, well, I wish I didn't do this or something that it's just like a takeaway that is you know, over time, we, we do become better <laughs> at these conversations. Is there a nugget that you can share with us about what did you learn or what you would do differently to to essentially sell to a healthcare system the idea of the digital journey? Yeah, you know, I would say what I'm learning and getting better at as we have more and more of these conversations with health system execs is really about meeting them where they are. Um, I actually just had a conversation this morning with an executive where their medical group is actually still heavily in what's called fee for service, um, where it's we provide a service, we get paid. And um, whereas a lot of other healthcare systems and organizations are moving more towards what's called value based care, where it's more about you know, reducing total cost of care, having appropriate utilization um, and improving quality and health outcomes of their patient population. So it's more about managing the patient population that they're at risk for. And so it's really interesting. So I would say that with every executive team that we talk to, it's about sort of understanding where the system is, but then about understanding what's important to them. And because every single organization is different where digital asynchronous video truly helps every single health system that we talk to. It's just about figuring out, do they care more about using the videos to improve quality metrics, or do they care more about using the videos to show that they are automating and digitizing resources, which cut costs and improves revenue? Or is it more about competitive advantage, where ultimately they're improving market share um, by having this innovative um, you know, health access tool that improves patient stickiness? So I think that's the main learning lesson that I've come across is sort of understanding every health system and every executive that we're talking to as different and really speaking their language for how to best implement digital asynchronous video. This is fascinating. I love that. What I'm hearing is they have three different, almost, like you said, goals. What defines which one of the three they have? Is it the size of, of, the, of the practice? Is it where they are in terms of maturity of their own digital, you know, infrastructure? Is it how they're funded? Is it if they're private equity funded or no? I'm just curious because I never thought of that. I thought that an industry would have the same objectives. Yeah, no, definitely. Every health system is very different. So, um, and like I said, every executive is different in sort of what they're, um, you know, interested in and um, what's important to them. So I would say there's no sort of cookie cutter answer to that. It Mm -hmm. really depends on, and I just, and that's exactly a sort of the learning lesson is having that conversation right from the start to really understand where they're at as an organization and, and it's sometimes it's surprising, right, of whether it's quality or financial or competitive, competitive advantage. And so it's just sort of talking through, um, talking through that with them and then really talking about the solution and how we implement and 
um, and being able to tie, you know, the ROI of digitization for them with their goals. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's imagine we have like, I don't know which system, but a, a big healthcare system executive, somebody that's at the very top. And if that person joined our little chat today, um, what would you say as an advice to that person to say, hey, this is what you should do or be doing right now in order to ensure that you, you know, you will survive in the next decade, but also that you will implement the value-based you know, model, and and you will have patients as as a consumers in the in the future that will reward you for these efforts. What would be I don't know the first thing or the three things that they they need to do today to stay relevant? Yeah, so I would say the the biggest conversation is this idea of consumerism in other industries and how that applies to healthcare, right? So many of us now have expectations that. Because in everywhere else in our life, we're easily able to do everything digitally, we enter healthcare and it's, it almost pushes us aback that we're confused. Why do I have to call? Why do I have to um, actually go in? Things like that, right? Which is drastically shifting now with COVID-19. But um, I think it's getting them to understand and buy in that the future state is, especially we talk a lot in healthcare about the sandwich female. And so who is your sort of consumer that they're ultimately targeting um, is oftentimes those of us who have aging parents and grandparents we're taking care of, we take care of our partners, we take care of the children. Um, and so we're the ones who, again, in every other industry, it's digitized and it's easy for us. And so those healthcare organizations that do the same, where they follow in suit with being consumer driven and digitizing care, um, those are the organizations that are really going to win over, especially the sandwich female, but everyone else involved as well. Um, and that's really what's going to push their success as an organization. Um, and it's not only from a consumer standpoint, too. The clinicians and staff, they need more support, right? So things like digitizing and taking work off their plates is a really big um, support system for the clinicians and staff, which they're always trying to recruit and keep high-quality um, doctors, nurses, et cetera. So, um, so it's, it's definitely something they need to think about, especially as more and more healthcare organizations are entering the space that are private equity backed and have investors and things like that and are truly digitizing and building their healthcare organizations around the consumer experience. Yeah, that's a good point. And it leads me to something that I am encountering now as the Petrov experience. You know, other industries, the, the, the voice of the customer, the voice of the consumer is, is pretty, I'm not, I don't want to say easy to get, but it's more of a technical conversation of how we're going to deploy a system and what questions to ask rather than legal uh, conversation. And what I'm finding in healthcare because of HIPAA, it's, it's, it's very hard actually <laughs> to collect feedback. Uh, and for me, as, as a customer experience professional, it's the first step of, of responding or adapting to to a consumer is listening to that consumer yeah and i'm shocked at this and and it's really hard to to collect you know feedback and because of this obstacle there is always this finality to what you're asking so it's almost Mm -hmm. like you can't have a conversation 
because it's the one shot of the survey. So you better make it count. Yeah. Do you, how would you change that? That sounds a little, an obstacle that we can maybe remove from the industry if we're moving to consumerism. Yeah. A a little bit like you say that because actually inside our videos, we have clickable links and oftentimes the clickable links drive the patients to schedule an appointment or contact the center or things like that. Um, But we also do customized surveys so that we can get direct feedback from either the patient or the the member if it's the payer side. So um, we use that data from a population health standpoint to say, you know, the the survey is customized so we can ask whatever questions we want, whether that's about experience or barriers to care. Maybe it's simply a knowledge check, but it allows us to get that direct feedback from the patients and members that are watching the video content. Because like you said, most healthcare organizations are doing very little other than the required patient experience surveys that are required from a regulatory standpoint. Um, Yeah, I have a lot to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, but wouldn't that be like a first step for any healthcare executive is to add a layer that is additional to this, uh, you know, required survey and, and develop, you know, just an additional survey that they Uh, they deploy to all their patients, maybe. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. I mean, most organizations, again, in healthcare, we haven't had to be consumer centric, right? This is a huge shift in mindset. And so um, they don't really kind of, I think you alluded to this before, a lot of organizations don't know how to do this, right? And so because a lot of folks that are in healthcare, we've been in healthcare for years. um, And so it's, sort of you get entrenched in the old way of doing things. Um, And so it's really about learning from other industries and being able to pull in those best practices and understand, okay, how do we become consumer centric? Oh, interesting. It's, we actually have to ask the right questions to understand what it's like for that patient to navigate through our system and understand the barriers and the experience um, on a, a real level from what the consumer needs and wants. Yeah. Well, so maybe that's number one lesson, you know, start collecting feedback, (laughs) something other industries do a lot (laughs) and figure out HIPAA. Yeah. Uh, So, and what, what about, what do you, is there something fundamentally different for uh, a person who manages a smaller practice? Uh, I recently read this amazing book, if you guys haven't read it, Digital Doctor, one of my favorite books. And he quoted that two-thirds of Americans are being seen by practices that have four doctors or, or fewer, uh, which tell I, I didn't know that, by the way. I, I thought that the, the and you know me, I'm all about impact. So I'm like, where where is the, the, the inflection point that if we go and help, we're going to cover more patients and improve the, the experience for more patients? Yeah. So I originally help. thought, <laughs> yeah, so... But maybe actually step back. What is population health? Yeah. So Can a, you define that? Yeah. So population health is exactly what you're speaking to, where it's how can we actually impact, um, I think of it in, as metrics, right? Quality metrics, utilization metrics, but how can we do that for an entire population at once? And so it's thinking about how you manage across the patient population um, and sort of impact as many people as you can, as opposed to thinking of it as this individual one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I will use this. I like it. Population health. That is my mission. So 
then going back to that, you know, offices that have four physicians or fewer, what what should they do if 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 they want to take a step or two towards uh, being more consumer centric? What would you say to to a leader of that scale? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so it's sort of interesting because. So when you think about America, right, there's obviously a lot of both rural areas across the U.S., um, but there's also a lot of independent private practices, which it sounds like is what this uh, stat is alluding to. And so um, it's interesting because that's definitely shifting. Um, it's been shifting for quite a few years now that um, private practices are less and less uh, being an independent private practice and more likely to be either part of a network or part of a health system. And it's because of these things, such as needing to have an electronic medical record and needing scale for revenue cycle and these different things. And so it's it's a good point, though, about um, what can those you know smaller practices do. And I think every practice is going to be different about um, you know, the specific items that they can and should do, you know, because sometimes I think about the private practice that probably has a better patient experience because they're sort of the the neighborhood doctor and everyone knows them. And um, so they might actually have a wonderful experience for their consumers. While it's, you know, at another point, there might be a private practice where they're really bogged down with all of the operations of running a practice and um, and especially in the fee-for-service model. And so perhaps maybe they don't have as much of a consumer experience. So I think it's really, it would depend on the practice and sort of what they need to do. I would say the thing that's really tricky is it's it's a lot harder to digitize your practice if you're a solo or a smaller practice just from a financial scale standpoint, right? So when we think about things like online scheduling and asynchronous videos and telehealth, it's a lot more for a, a smaller practice to take on financially, unfortunately. It's interesting because from, from the telemedicine uh, and, and the virtual visits seem to be challenging <laughs> if for bigger practices, for some reasons, smaller practice for different reasons, yeah. no matter what, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny, like whoever I speak to, they, they always ha- say this is a, it's, it's somewhat of, a, of an EHR 2.0 challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I wanted to ask you, because we did talk about voice of the customer and, and I saw that you have a pretty big library in terms of content. Uh, how do you decide what to cover in, in your videos? Like, how does mm-hmm. that process go? Yeah, that's a good question. So every single, I would say we are all about customization and every single client organization that we work with has a different priority area of where we start from a topic standpoint. So in the same way that I said, when we start a conversation, we talk about what's most important to them, whether it's financial, quality, competitive advantage. We also talk through topics and most organizations know what they're targeting and why. So I'll, I'll throw out a few examples, right? So we have hospice organizations where they really want to help guide the patient into hospice on a timely fashion, but then also keep patients on hospice when an urgent end-of-life issue comes up. Um, there's, I could go into much depth there about why, um, but it's important both from a quality and a revenue standpoint. Um, that's one example. There's other organizations where they're focusing on diabetes management because they have quality metrics that are tied to revenue. Um, there's organizations where from a cost standpoint, we're focusing on 
chronic kidney disease and stage renal failure so that we're guiding patients both to get on dialysis in a timely manner, but then also keep patients out of the ER if they have blocked access issues. So it gets even more detailed for all of these, but but you can imagine. So every organization is different and sort of we talk through, you know, where to start and how to build out that initial package. And it really is all about customization to the client and really helping their patients navigate through their system so that we can achieve whatever that ROI was that we were seeking to achieve. So, so what's the process? Let's imagine you, you had a very successful meeting. (laughs) We, you know, you, you, you just struck a deal with, with some uh, healthcare system. Um, Do you mind just kind of roughly going through what, what happens next? Like who do you work with in the organization to, to implement this? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the, The main leader is typically someone in operations, but there's definitely a team. So uh, outside of operations, there's typically a clinical lead, a marketing lead. Oftentimes there's someone who's a sort of digital experience, consumer experience that gets involved, but every single organization is different as to who who from the team is involved. And then we have a three-step process that we follow with every client. So we start with strategy, where we build out the project management plan that we're going to customize for the engagement so that has the timelines and what needs to get all done. Um, Again, we talk through strategy and confirm uh, what are our goals, what are the metrics of performance, so baseline versus goal performance. We talk through our marketing and operational plans because we have to think through where are the videos going to live? How are we going to push the videos out through what channels? You know, do we have emails? Do we have text messaging? Is it the patient portal? Um, but then we also talk about the operational plan of how we're going to automate this into the clinical workflows as much as possible, again, to take the work off the clinicians and staff. So that's the first phase is strategy. The next phase is actual development of the videos. So you can imagine we're co-creating the scripts, um, so the client organization knows best of what information we need to convey to the patients on how to navigate the system. So uh, they focus on the content, we focus on the actual scripting to make a good mm-hmm. modern video script. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, yeah, yeah. yep, and then we develop the actual videos themselves, the clickable, customizable links, the customized surveys, and then once that's all ready, we operationalize the marketing and operational plans. And then we report out on the performance of the videos, which is really cool. So now, because video is a digital tool, we have analytics. So we can show watch rates and click rates, and we analyze that survey data. So we're telling them what patients are saying. Um, And so it's really, it shifts how we're we're providing care so that in the end, the goal is that we have a case study that shows how we've achieved the ROI that we set forth in the strategy phase. This is phenomenal. Did the coronavirus era change the interest of healthcare systems to your products and services of telemedicine kind of coming more at the forefront of, of patient experience? Yes, unfortunately we did. Yep. So the, the company's been around pre-COVID, um, but now health systems, payers, any healthcare organization, they're really embracing digital um, obviously, we're seeing this in all industries, not just healthcare, right? We all work from home. A lot of folks are schooling from home, et cetera. So same thing. Now healthcare systems are really embracing digital and how can we reach patients in the home? And so fortunately, unfortunately, it's really, we've seen a huge uptick in healthcare transformation and we're having a lot of conversations with healthcare systems and payers across the U.S. If you're interested to continue this conversation, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us 
at our website, thepetrovaexperience.com, or you can reach out directly to me at liliana at thepetrovaexperience.com. Just mention you are a listener of this podcast, and we'll offer you a free customer experience consultation. We'll explore how we can improve your customer experience. So what is even the primary motivation to improve patient experience today? Do you think patients even shop around for healthcare providers or like, what do you think is the situation today? Yeah, I definitely think that consumers shop around. So it's interesting because in the U.S. and having employer-based systems and then choosing your health insurance plan, a lot of times we are confined to a network. And so depending on your plan, for example, if you have an HMO plan, you have to stay inside the network. PPOs, you have a little bit more leeway, but then obviously there's more cost sharing. And so still, even within that network, we're shopping, right? You have an experience. Mm -hmm. If you have a bad experience with a clinician, many people have experiences. They don't go back, right? And I think it's interesting too. I look at it as there's two components. There's the clinician itself that you're building a relationship with and building an experience with, but there's also the system, right? And so that's Mm -hmm. things like scheduling your appointment and being able to access your clinician 24-7 and how quickly can you get an appointment And can you get a telemedicine appointment? Those are all sort of systems issues built around the clinic itself that you're engaging with. And so I think there's two sort of components to that where people really are shopping for what's the best experience from a system standpoint, and then who's the clinician within the system that I've built a rapport with and like and have a good experience and good clinical care. Yeah, I completely agree. I I recently had a survey from my pediatrician for my daughter, and I was very honest. I love my doctor. The physician is amazing. The system, I don't like. And I made sure to make this distinction. However, I have to say, often um, other other networks only ask for about the physician. They don't ask yeah. about feedback for the system. <laughs> Yeah. And I wonder, is it because they don't want to hear it or, <laughs> you know, or is it because they really think that that bond with the physician is enough to keep you in place regardless of everything else Yeah, it's, and the level of experience around that? Yeah, but it's a good point, right? Because I think for most most folks, they want to have a good system as well. It's almost as equally as, as important as that relationship with the clinician. It's also sometimes usability and access. Yeah. I read another thing yesterday, how the the cancer care patient journey is literally not conducive to hourly workers. I never thought of that. Uh, But then I thought about my life when I was hourly worker. And I remember I couldn't go in the middle of the day or be consistently going in the middle of the day to to a doctor visit. Uh, So there is probably the system also maybe the cause of cutting access for certain patients altogether. Yeah, exactly. And that's where there's a lot of really awesome organizations coming into this space that are, you know, from a telemedicine standpoint, being able to reach patients in the home. A lot of organizations now do doctor's visits in the home and different things that are sort of meeting patients where they are. Um, I completely agree that a lot of folks, you know, we sort of 
throw our hands up in the air from an administration standpoint and say, why are, why are there so many no-shows? But really, again, if you think about it from the consumer experience and what they're going through, we have to meet patients where they are so that we can properly give them the care that they need in the way that they need it. So that gets into that sort of consumer experience again. If we were to ask you, what's the one thing that you were involved, um, that Megan was involved, um, that caused the, the biggest impact on, on patient experience? Yeah, so, so there's definitely been many situations where I feel that I've had a positive impact on the healthcare system overall and on patient and clinician experience. Um, I'll just give one example of something we've done here at Healthcare Transformation. So um, there's an area of healthcare that I'm very passionate about, uh, which is end of life. And so it's an area that, especially for those of us who are in population health and value-based care, uh, it's an important area from a quality of care standpoint for patients and especially for their families. There's also a huge cost component to this. So it's not only understanding patients' wishes and how they want to sort of close the chapter um, on their life, but it's also, you know, if you're doing so, whether you want to do that at home or whether you want, you know, aggressive end-of-life care in a hospital ICU, there's a choice there, but also a lot of patients are not getting that choice. And then they end up in the hospital, which is incredibly expensive to have multiple ER and hospital inpatient stays at the end of life. And so it was really cool. We did, um, we worked with a palliative care provider actually here in California to when COVID-19 hit, all of their patients are chronically ill, and so all of them are at risk um, of death and dying from if they were to get the virus. And so what we did was we scheduled appointments with all the patients, and the goal was to reiterate which path they want to choose if they were to get the virus. And, and it's not just if they get the virus, it's if they are truly at the end of their journey. And so what we did was we took the initial part of that conversation and put it on video and then prescribed it to the patients to watch the video before their appointment with their palliative physician. And it was so meaningful and so impactful. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, we, we put clickable links with surveys into the video. So we got direct feedback from those chronically ill patients talking about how the videos helped prepare them for the appointment and helps them remember which questions to ask and that they want more videos on their chronic diseases that they're dealing with. It was so impactful. And so I think when you hear the direct feedback from the patients that you're trying to help, um, that's the thing that's most meaningful. And then this was actually another example where the clinicians really loved it as well and felt that they could be more meaningful, more efficient and effective with the patients because the patients had a chance to think about these things because it's a tough conversation mm -hmm. to have. And so it sort of prepped both the patient and the clinician to really come together in a partnership and have a meaningful conversation that we know is going to have an impact on quality of care and, and cost of care as well. What a beautiful story. I love that. See, I know you and I are kindred spirits like that. Having direct rapport with your consumer and hearing directly from them if something works or doesn't is just such a beautiful human experience that only, uh, I think, people that, that care about patient experience or consumer experience as a whole have the privilege, you know, to, to, to be part of, of these conversations directly. Yeah. Thank you so much for this story. Yeah, of course. No, thank you. So what's, what's next in your, in your own strategic plan? 
Ooh. Um, I mean, really, our goal is to show ROI for organizations and then be able to market that ROI. So because we know that we're doing the right thing, right, especially mm-hmm. when you see the data from both the clinicians and the patients on the ground, um, that we're improving care, that they feel more prepared, they feel more effective. Um, and so it's very positive benefits on the ground. And then the organization overall is seeing improved metric performance. And so that's the goal is just to continue to show ROI for our client partner organizations um, and be able to market that so we can truly continue to change and shift the way that we deliver healthcare in this country. Yeah. And I still have on my list that you and I one day will redesign the pregnancy journey. I just haven't found for whom yet, but we'll do it one day, I promise you. Okay. Yeah. You keep me posted. If, if you had this, let's go to this like unfiltered mode and you had an executive in front of you and you, you like, what's the thing that you always wanted to tell them, but you couldn't in your sales meetings. <laughs> um, and today you have like, you know, it's like a whole past moment. Uh, what would be the one thing that you'll be like, Hey guys, <laughs> what is that one punchline that you want to say or, or, well, or women? I don't know. God knows we need more leaders, women. So yeah, it, it maybe a woman leader. Um, <laughs> no, it, give me one line. Well, it's funny because <laughs> can I, can I make it more than one line? Can I make it a story? <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Make it a story even better. No, you know, what's it's funny to me because there's a lot of organizations. So there's a lot of organizations that we're talking to that are very innovative, that are totally bought in, that really get it, especially those that have um, kids where they watch their kids and teenagers on YouTube and streaming video. And that's how they learn to do things. And um, they really see them that we need to digitize care and use asynchronous video and telemedicine and things like that. Um, But it's really interesting because there's some organizations that we'll talk to where uh, there's sort of younger folks that are on the team, but not yet in a uh, decision-making capability. And we'll have these sort of behind the scenes conversation where they'll come to me and they'll be like, this is a no brainer, <laughs> you know, of, like we need to be doing this. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I don't have the capability to push it forward. And we're sort of waiting for, um, leadership to truly understand, um, you know, from their perspective. And so th- I think that's the thing that's sort of interesting is, um, the leaders in healthcare where they are still, um, you know, slower moving and don't realize that even the younger leaders are sort of like, this is a duh, <laughs> you know, like we need to be, we need to be digitizing this for sure. But so the, the, the one liner is hello, it's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Digital journey is a no brainer. Yeah. And we will never say this in our meetings, but today we can. <laughs> uh, so where um, where can people find more about you and digital transformation? Yeah, so uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, Megan Meckerbecky, you should find me there. And then our website is for healthcare transformation is caretransformation.net. So definitely go check out the website. Um, that's where we have case studies and sample videos and all that good stuff um, where you can find out more and obviously can contact us through the website too. So I'm always happy to schedule. Um, I have a Calendly link that has, you know, schedule 15 minutes to chat with me. I'm always happy to chat with folks and talk about the digital care journey. So you can reach out there. 
Thank you. And thank you for being with us today. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been fun. The One Thing is produced by the Petrova Experience in partnership with Mount Media Network. Copyright 2021. Visit thepetrovaexperience.com and find the Petrova Experience and me, Liliana Petrova, on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter at Liliana Petrova. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.